Your news, your entertainment, your business. We're on a mission from God. This is the Rich Rossman Show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the uh, Rich Rossman Show. It's 5 o'clock right here in uh, downtown Miami. Actually, Coral Gables, good to be with you here on 880 The Biz. And uh, the number today is 866-954-4276, 866-954-4276. If you have a couple of comments you'd like to make and some of the things we're going to talk about today, that includes everything from uh, the morons who try to blow up the Sears Tower, I know, they, they just didn't really mean it, uh, to Donald Trump and Kerry Prejean and, uh, you know, Greenspan and housing and we got Yemniak. Uh, boy, that sounds like a toy, doesn't it? You know, it's like a little stuffed animal. Yemyak. The uh, prison guard, Nazi prison yeah, guard. Yemyak. 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 Anyway, so, uh, but an interesting show coming up for you today. On the first part of the show, we're going to have Dr. Charles Russo is back, and we're going to talk about longevity. There are certainly places in the world that people live longer. Yeah, know? they just so I hear. They just live longer. They, you know, I got the piece from NPR. Remember you sent me that article? Take that was me interesting? to your old folk. Take me to your old folk. Uh, well, there, there's some good points to that and some bad points to that. So we're gonna we're gonna have Dr. Charles Russo, well-known uh, physician from Fort Lauderdale, has a book out, the Fort Lauderdale Diet. Just go to Amazon.com. You can see it. Get it? Be interesting. It's a real simple diet book. It's nothing that's very complicated. Good stuff. Uh, but helping us for those people who feel. Like they're in a bad way with their obesity, which is big in the United States right now. Uh, following that, we're going to have um, Yelena Mizell is coming. <laughs> it is big. I, I was waiting for you to respond to that. All right. You know, verbally slap me for that. But I couldn't resist. You couldn't help it. But um, uh, we're going to have uh, Yellen Mizell uh, talking to us a little bit later, and we're going to talk about the America's Food and Beverage Conference, which is coming up in the fall. But, you know, these things happen and work on way, way in advance, and it's kind of exciting project. It's uh, the largest in the Americas, in uh, North America, South America, and it's hosted right here in Miami, at Miami Beach Convention Center, uh, and the producer of the show, the owner of the show, is the World Trade Center Miami, and thousands of people attend that uh, every year. And we'll just discuss that. And then in the second half of the show, coming up uh, after the uh, break, at the bottom of the hour, we're going to have uh, Peter McLaughlin. Peter's a well-known writer. He's written a number of successful books. Uh, that includes uh, Mentally Tough, The Principles of Winning at Sports, Applied to Winning in Business, and Catch Fire, a seven-step program to ignite energy, diffuse stress, so that's something we could use around here, and power boost your career. That's the, something that I guess people who have been let go uh, would like to hear about. So that's a cool one, and uh, Peter's going to be here. He has another book coming out later in the year called Brain Styles, and uh, he'll explain what that's all about. Kind of interesting, working with billionaires, extremely successful people, uh, and what their, how they function, what their brain is like, you know, brain styles. How do they think? Hmm. You know, what makes these guys so successful? So if you want to get involved in some of the conversation Pick today. the brain, so to speak. The what? Pick the brain. Pick the brain. But you brain sort of. behind door number one, brain A, yeah. so forth. Uh, the number is eight six six nine five four forty two seventy six. Just a couple of things to talk about today. I thought I'd mention. Uh, just quickly in the markets, as you may have heard earlier, the uh, the Dow was up today. God, it was down dramatically. Came back up. It was up ahead by fifty point three points, or just about a half a point, a little bit over than that. 
uh, finishing at 84.69, which is kind of cool. Uh, the NASDAQ finished down 15.3 for almost a one-point loss, not quite 88% of a point. Uh, to finish at 17.15.92, the S&P, which I always like to look at, is basically flat. It was down 89 cents for the day. <laughs> Less than one tenth of one percent. So it's uh, 908.35 is where that finished up. So it's very interesting to follow all of this. There's a very interesting news today that came out in the financial markets. One of which was that um, you know uh, General Motors stock is the lowest it's been ever since 1933 during the depression. Imagine that. That is kind of freaky, isn't it? Hmm. And you know what's even more freaky? The top management at General Motors sold their stock today. That's that's really encouraging for the folks. What does that mean? Make those cars get down there. Make those cars. Whip those people to get those cars going. Oh, my God. So uh, that was kind of uh, intriguing to hear today. And then, uh, of course, uh, we had some uh, some conversation about um, Microsoft was doing a, uh, a fundraising uh, for themselves, a bond raising. And, and that, that's moving along. Bank of America did, did a fundraising that worked very, very well. So uh, a couple of exciting things that we can talk about. And interestingly, now that we're on the, on the importance of the stock market and the numbers, uh, Greenspan, you know, the ex-head of the uh, Federal Reserve, and everyone listens to him. No one really understands him unless you're a super economist. Because you listen and you, and you try to understand what the man is saying. And he's so brilliant. And, but you never understand what he's really saying. You have to wait for the talking heads to uh, analyze it. But Greenspan sees seeds of bottoming for the U.S. housing market which is awfully good. And he says, according to uh, the last quote coming out of Reuters, it looks to me, judging from the balancing of household formation on one hand, conversions, mergers, demolitions, that we're at the edge of a major liquidation and that excess of inventories, which I suspect and I hope will be of such a pace that it will stabilize prices. So... I figured that one out. So as I look at the housing market, we are finally beginning to see the seeds of a bottoming. Now, here's one guy who's been pretty negative about everything for a while. So that's kind of intriguing if you understand anything I just said. Uh, and and uh, it would be great for us because, uh, you know, real estate is the tail that wags the dog uh, in this market down here. And uh, we're all looking for that to turn around. What they're really saying that we've noticed over the last few uh, quarters is that you know the uh, sales have started to come up problem is that the price of the sale has not come up dramatically at all it hasn't come up in fact it's still down but the point is and the significance is that uh, we're using up the inventory of pre-existing homes and that would be great that would give us a chance to kickstart this market get people back in the market and give us a chance and a breather what do you think I like to kick things yeah I like to <laughs> Wanda likes to kick things. Why not? Can't wait till Friday night, can you? Hardly. Hardly. I'm sure. I can't wait to do that. So when we come back, we're going to have uh, Dr. Charles Russo on the phone, and we're going to talk about longevity. And we're, we're talking about age, by the way, longevity. Please. Just be clear about clear that. The number is 866-954-4276. You want to get on the line right now? We have questions for Charlie regarding diets and how to live longer and save your life, save your heart. And uh, we're right here on 880 The Business. This is Rich Roffin on The Rich Roffin Show. Stay right there. We'll, we'll get you home in good steed. Bye. The Jay Molina International Trade Consortium, or the ITC, promotes Miami-Dade County as a global gateway by enhancing international relations, cultural understanding, and international trade. 
Every year, the ITC leads two business development missions to countries that have the potential to increase trade with our community through Miami International Airport or the Port of Miami. The ITC is the official county agency charged with the development of this trade and functions as an umbrella organization or clearinghouse for other trade development efforts within the county. Our vision is to promote and strengthen Miami-Dade County's excellent business climate, strong international financial services, and rich cultural diversity, making it the logical platform for trade with Latin America and the Caribbean. For more information about the J. Molina International Trade Consortium, go to miamidade.gov slash ITC or call us at 305-375-5808. Should commodities be part of your investment portfolio in 2009? What might be the performance for commodities in 2009? Where are the energy prices going? Is the bearish trend coming to an end in the U.S. dollar? Should I own gold or silver? Will the cost of food go up or down? If these questions are important to your investment strategy, then you should be talking to MB Wealth, a full-service commodity brokerage, to find out how MB Wealth is positioning its clients to take advantage of commodities over the next few months and quarters. Let MB Wealth help you at the retail level or advise you on a partial asset allocation with a commodity trading advisor with an established track record. In this volatile economy, it is more important than ever to have a diversified portfolio. Find out more on commodity investment specifics by calling MB Wealth at 954-929-9997 or log on to our website at www.mbwealth.com. While you're there, check out MB Wealth's weekly commodity commentary plus monthly research articles, tools that can help with your investment decisions. Call Matt Bradbard, President MB Wealth, at 954-929-9997 for all the details. MB Wealth, a full-service commodity firm. Risk of loss in trading commodity futures and options can be substantial. All funds committed should be purely risk capital. Past performance is no guarantee of future trading results. Seaboard Marine is an ocean transportation company that provides direct regular service between the United States and the Caribbean Basin, Central and South America. Seaboard Marine's success in the region for nearly 25 years has enabled it to expand into new markets, now serving nearly 40 ports in over 20 countries. Seaboard Marine's facilities include a private terminal of nearly 70 acres at the Port of Miami. Seaboard Marine carries more cargo to and from the Port of Miami than any other carrier. Although this facility complies with and exceeds all governmental security mandates, it operates seven days a week, 365 days a year, a unique convenience for its customers. Seaboard Marine serves these routes from Miami, Bahamas, Grand Cayman, Colombia, Dominican Republic, Eastern Caribbean, Haiti, Jamaica, North Central America, South Central America, Venezuela, and the West Coast of South America, including Peru, Chile, Bolivia. Seaboard Marine, a trade leader in the Western Hemisphere. No one covers local, national, and world news like Rich Robbins. And no one covers local, national, and world shipping like DHL. DHL, customer service is back in shipping. It's South Florida's newest and freshest talk show. And now for something completely different. The Rich Rothman Show .com. This is The Rich Rothman Show. Okay, welcome back to The Rich Rothman Show and welcome to National Folk Society. 
Yeah. Now it's time to have the Irish Rovers sing a few songs. What music is that? What is that? Oh, it's from the Weeds soundtrack. Things I just discover when I'm online. That's that's uh, that's so exciting. Anyway, uh, Charlie Russo is on the phone right now. Dr. Charles Russo. How are Hi, you, Rich. Charles? I'm fine, Rich. How are you? You know what? It feels like summer. Anybody out it there is, noticing it is that? Summer. It's very hot it's out. It's very hot. Very I hot. mean, it was hot. My my car broke down today, and I was outside for a while out in the west and waiting for the uh, AAA to show up and, and tow it. And I got to tell you, room the shirt, room the shirt. It was hot, hot, hot. So we um, need rain badly. Yes, we do, and God doesn't want to give it to us for some reason. I'll ask him the next time I try. And talk. Would you do? I'll I'll even light a candle. I'll do that. Hey, Charlie, I got a question for you. Sure. There was a piece out the other day that I that we picked up uh, coming off of NPR, that and we've seen these before. That uh, certain places of the world, people tend to live longer. Um, I'm not so sure it's downtown Detroit. That's not one of them. That's not going to happen. And particularly when GM pulls out, oh my God, that city's so screwed. But um, uh, why? What is that all about? I want—I thought we have a little chat about that well, today. You know, Longevity. It's interesting because you see these things all over the media and all over the popular press all the time. And actually, since you had given me that lead-in, I did go and look at these blue zones on the uh, NPR website. And it—and it's interesting because when you look at that, they have identified uh, five blue zones all around. One is in Loma Linda, California, uh, and I'll explain that. Loma Linda, California. Loma Linda, Cal California. Wow. Uh, and I'll explain that to you. Um, uh, the other one is in Costa Rica. The other one is in Sardinia. The other is a small island, a small Greek island um, by the name of Icaria. And, um, that looks uh, pretty, by the way. Yeah, and, and the uh, last one is in Okinawa, Japan. Uh, but it, it's it's very interesting because as you as you said also we've heard about those Russians uh, in uh, uh, in uh, I guess it was Georgia that ate the yogurt for years and uh, lived to extraordinarily long ages and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, and, but and but it, they but they look like corpses. By I mean they look they look very much like the woman from Psycho. There she is right now. Yeah, they certainly didn't look like the people on the Greek island or on Psycho. No, I'll go for the Greeks uh, with their well tanned uh, bodies, but. Right. At, the, at this point, what it, what it comes down to when you look at all of these things is it's just eating a well-balanced diet high in fruits and vegetables. To some extent, the Loma Linda, California thing is interesting because it's actually a community of, of Seventh-day Adventists who are like Mormons on steroids. They not only don't drink and don't smoke, but they, um, uh, they're vegetarians in that colony too. Well, they, they drink the pure crystal water and rocks. And they exercise, and they exercise like crazy, uh, and and that seems to be a key. When you look at the island of Sardinia and the and the um, uh, Greek island, uh, as well as in Costa Rica, what you have there are people, and even in Okinawa, people that pretty much walk everywhere. It's like small town, mountainous country. They walk everywhere. They probably burn three or four times the amount of calories a day in normal daily activity that the rest of us do. Uh, and that helps tremendously in keeping their weight down and in burning the right kind of calories. Now, do you have to be a vegetarian? Of course not. When you talk about the Greek islands and, and Sardinia, they're not vegetarians. They probably have only about one or two meat meals a week with two fish meals, and the rest are, you know, vegetable or starchy meals, um, uh, and that's probably a good key to things. And do you have to be a teetotaler? No. Again, in the Greek Isles and in um, 
Japan and even in uh, in uh, Italy, they of course drink moderately, uh, even though they don't in, in Loma Linda, California. So there's there's obviously there's a balance to things that people uh, have in these different places. The yogurt <laughs> people in Georgia, I can't explain it. As, as I said, that may be more that may be more like do you live to be a hundred or does it just feel like it? Do you just look? I, like I, I think they ate yogurt and they ate the hay from the reindeer. I mean, I just. <laughs> I found that to be a very strange diet. Ouch. I know. They're back again. It could be. But, uh, but what do they consider longevity? I mean, what is longevity in well, this day right, and age? What they can, again, everything keeps, you know, everything keeps going up. If, if you want to get into even an economic conversation, why was Medicare uh, and uh, Social Security set at 65 years of age? Well, that's because at that time the average man was living to be 67, even though the average woman was living to be 70 or 71. And this is back in the 1960s. So they didn't think we'd live this long and they'd have to support us for this. The average uh, lifespan now for a woman is about 82, and for a man it's about 77, 78. You're killing us. These people, <laughs> these people are living um, a good 10 years beyond that, which is what they're calling longevity at this point. Um, and some of it is obviously genetics, and that's where the people in Georgia get their longevity from, as well as partially from their diet. And people argue about how much of this is genetics and how much of this is environment. And, and the best statistics for environment will tell you that 80% of it is environment and only 20% of it is genetics in terms of longevity. Um, and if you stay thin and you exercise and you're healthy and you eat a good diet and you have your fish twice a week and eat plenty of fruits and vegetables and high fiber and so on, um, you're going to outlive uh, the average person, and they're probably right, unless you have the bad gene for cancer. <laughs> well, and, and what's the percentages now of people who get cancer? Is it like one in three in men for at least prostate? Well, yeah, well, prostate cancer is uh, the statistics are astounding, but it doesn't kill men. It, it, it's like breast cancer in women. Unfortunately, it really devastates the younger men more than the older men. There are statistics that say 70% of men by the age of 70 have some form of prostate cancer, and 80% by the age of 80. But the fact of the matter is, those people could probably live another 15 or 20 years with their prostate right. cancer because it's so slow growing. Right. It's the poor Frank Zappas of this world who got it in their 50s and were dead by 59. And Bill Bixby, who got it at you know sixty and was dead by sixty-one with prostate cancer. Those are the ones that because uh, it's that aggressive. Have it has a very high Gleason factor. Yeah. The younger you are, it's an aggressive cancer. Yep. So, uh, so oh, I want to go back to these longevity things. We have about a minute and a half. Um, the deal is eat well, and these guys exercise. Now you're right; they live in a place that doesn't have the smog and and the soot in the air that we have here. You know, and oh yeah, uh, if you live in that New Jersey corridor, I'm not quite sure. You know, there's that corridor in New Jersey that's adjacent to New York. Yes, it's called Secaucus. That has the highest rate of cancer in the it's country. It's Secaucus. It's where all the uh, the petroleum yeah. uh, companies are, and it just spews out all this uh, yuck stuff that yeah, goes into in the South air. Florida, we're blessed. I mean, I mean, they talk about the the. Uh, 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 the ocean-going vessels now and uh, spewing out stuff into the atmosphere. But for the most part, we have a very low pollution rate compared to a lot of places in the world. Because we have no industrial manufacturing. Here. Yes. That's, that's the beauty of South Florida. See, that's and, and we thing. have this great wind that's not as good as the trade winds in Hawaii, but we have this great wind that you know cleans and scrubs the air, and we have rain hopefully soon every day in the summertime, which scrubs the air. 
Well, we hope so. Uh, Charlie, the name of the book is The Fort Lauderdale Diet, yeah. Amazon.com. Absolutely. And we want everyone to recognize Dr. Uh, uh, Charles Russo on the east side of town. You can get a hold of him. Holy Cross Hospital. Holy Cross Hospital. When you don't feel well, grab your chest and call Dr. Charles Russo. Rich, it's been a pleasure as usual. <laughs> Take an aspirin first. Yes, definitely. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Charlie. All right. Bye-bye. Take care of yourself. You know, I was very intrigued with that, Wanda, when, when, when you sent me that article. Because, you know, longevity, everyone's looking for longevity. Everyone's looking to survive longer. Look at Aunt Sophie. Aunt That's Sophie. what I was thinking. Sophie made it to 99. Did she get any of her trade secrets then? Hate. She hated everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I really do believe that. I think the, the, the mean know. streak in her kept her just, alive. I think just not keeping it inside. Maybe just getting it getting out, it out laying on everybody else. Exactly. I hate you. Because it's keeping it inside that really does you in. Well, that's what gives you She didn't ulcers. keep anything in. No, no, no. She let, I can promise and you. I'll tell you what. She told them, she told them everything you wanted to know hmm. about life. Anyway, um, there she is. Sophie lives. Oh, shut up. There she is again. Mm -hmm. Good old Aunt Sophie. All right, welcome back to the show. This is Rich Rothman on 880 The Biz. The number is 866-954-4276. On the phone with us right now is Yelena uh, Mizell from the World Trade Center Miami. Yelena, how are you? Hey, Rich. I'm great. How are you doing? I am doing fine today. A bit warm. I wasn't quite ready to have all this hot weather yet, but I... You know, uh, I got into the pool this weekend, which which means the summer's here. I'm right there with you. You know, and was immediately assaulted by two standard schnauzers the minute I did that. Yeah, and Sounds the good. AC is on. AC? Oh, no, the AC is on now 24-7, 365. Exactly. They don't go off. Yelena, <laughs> you know, I can't believe it's almost a year we were talking about the um, the, the food conference. The correct name of the, uh, it's the America's Food and Beverage Trade Show and Conference. Trade Show and Conference. All right, and that's hosted by the World Trade Center Miami. Now, the world, I happen to be a past chairman. The World Trade Center Miami hosts a number of really great shows, super successful trade shows. This happens to be one of them. How many years have we done this? Well, this show, this is not a 12th year, believe it or not. And, Twelve um, you know, years? Yeah, just this year, we are actually starting something that you may be very familiar with, Global Week, because we have so many global events taking place in November. So it's really the whole month dedicated to international trade and promoting two-way trade. Well, uh, what are the other two that are coming up for that month in case people well, want to know? Well, we have um, Air Cargo Americas and Sea Cargo Americas from November 4th through 6th, and that's taking place at the Doubletree Hotel in Miami. So, And then we have the America Sweet and Beverage Show from November 9th and 10th at the Miami Beach Convention Center. Well, that's terrific. Now, let's, let's, let's go back to the, the food and beverage show, because now you're, you're responsible for that. That's right. Now, you've been doing this for a number of years. Yes. Now, it ain't easy right now. This has been a really, really, now, this has been really tough because uh, my, my schnauzers are now out. They're, they're trying to get a job right now. I want you to know that. You're they're, they're, no, really, they're trying to be bag dogs at Publix. And, and they're doing a good job because I think they convinced one of the managers to let them in. Oh, that's great. So Somehow it's, it's, I can still, uh, still can sell my Cocker Spaniel. <laughs> Her but, skills are not up to par yet. We're <laughs> trying to do that. So talk to me about the show. It's a really significant show. What are people going to get out of it? It's a, it's a great show. As you know, the World Trade Center Miami, what we really stand for, and, you know, our slogan is promoting, uh, really promoting pr peace and stability through trade. So we're all about promoting two-way trade. And the beauty of this show, it provides both imports and exports. And as you know, you know, in the tough economic times, what is the other revenue that's for companies that are looking out to is the exports. So this is why we really believe it's in strong, you know, why this show has had such strong results over the years 
years is because we promote exports and other revenue for the companies, but at the same time, we're bringing new ideas and new imports into the U.S. to really diversify, you know, products, product lines, and just to help companies, mainly small and medium-sized companies, to really get them out there, give them exposure, and um, teach them how to sell in different markets. Well, the thing I like about the America's Food and Beverage Show is that, one thing, it's different. And you have a lot of programs going on, and you structure it. It's physically set up in very, very interesting ways, with blocks of, of um, countries together forming an area. For example, Canada was a big show uh, display. Yes? Yes. Are they, are they going to be back? They're going to be back even the bigger and better this year than in previous years. We are looking for almost uh, 48 companies will be coming just from Atlanta, Canada region. So we're working between 35 to 40 companies right now for Atlantic Canada region. And then the other regions of Ontario and Quebec, um, another 20 companies. So Canada is definitely looking into Florida and Caribbean markets as their um, you know, uh, number one trading markets. So we are going to have a great presence from Canada this year. So Canada Canada's good. Let's let's go to some other blocks that are, are pretty decent because I know you have a lot of this going on. Let's just talk about that. Well, you know, as always, another great partner of ours is Brazil. Uh, we always have, um, you know, large delegations of 20 to 25 companies plus another 300 or so buyers from Brazil. So we have Brazil's presence. Argentina, we have um, always companies from Chile and from Peru. Definitely, um, you know, we have great presence from Jamaica and Barbados and Trinidad. And um, also venturing out, you know, to Italy, we have, we, we're looking to have a pavilion from Italy, from Poland, uh, working even with South Africa. So we're definitely out there and companies are recognizing, you know, the potential of the Florida market, Caribbean, uh, and um, South and Central America. And who are some of your big sponsors? this year. Well, we, we, as always, you know, for 12 years, one of the greatest sponsor and partners of ours has been American Airlines. Um, you know that we work with them where um, they really assist us in bringing over 2,000 buyers from Latin America. So that is a great sponsor of ours. We also have this year um, Electrolux um, and uh, Low Refrigerations, Whole Foods Market, Atlantic Coast Stainless, and many more to come. No, that, that sounds terrific. Now, the, the events that you have, there are some individual events that take place within the uh, the show. What would some of those be this year? Well, you know, every year we try to do something new. And over the years, we have really looked into, you know, how to diversify the trade show and the event. And one of the things that is really driving this show this year is one-on-one appointments. There's nothing like pre-scheduled meetings with buyers. So when the exhibitor comes to the show, they know that they will meet at minimum seven to ten buyers in their specific product category. Well, how does that work? How do they set that up? Well, you know, it's one of the things that we actually work a lot ahead of the time with the schedules. We actually start now looking at the products that exhibitors will be showcasing and looking for the buyers in those categories. So we, you know, the exhibitors tell us if they want to meet with food services or retailer, um, small, medium-sized companies, just different, you know, information where they tell us who they want to meet with. And we have a team that actually goes out there and looks for the buyers, makes the matches, and then about 30 days before the show, we send the you know the confirmed information to both the exhibitors and the buyers, and the meetings take place the day before the show opens. So the the bottom line is, I think first of all, I guess a, a number of different markets that are out there that we can talk to. One is the corporation that wants to come and be part of it, and and the bottom line is, as we always point out, we mean business. 
Of course. So, this, this is all business. I mean, this is one of the rare shows in this, you know, area that it's only business to business. We're not open to public at all. Um, so we, the way it's structured is really instead of flying and seeing, you know, 30 of your customers over 12 months, all you have to do is come to Miami for two days and you will see all your customers and future customers there. Okay. And then the, the consumer can go in. First of all, I mean, if you don't own a company, you want to go see what's going on. It's just fascinating because there are foods from all over the world. At the very simple level, you know, you can buy a ticket to go in for the day. You buy it for a day or for how many days is this, three days? Well, you actually have to be a food-oriented um, you know, food business. You have to either be buying it to sell it in a retail. So you got to be in the business. you got to be in the you market. Have, you've got to be in a business. So okay. it's really it's a very um, strict process where, you know, we really make sure that our buyers are high-quality buyers. So they either have to be in a food service or in a retail. Well, that's even better then because you don't have the, uh, the civilian, so to speak. Exactly. No public allowed. No public. <laughs> no, so, trade only. So the point is, folks, if you're out there and you really want to be part of this, go start a company. There's the thing to do. That, I mean, if you're reading it anywhere, what better time to start a company than in this time of the age, you know? So, if you like food, now's the time to do it. And everybody needs food. Everybody. That's the bottom line. When we talk about commodities, one of the, uh, Matt Bradbart from MB Wealth always said, hey, you know the thing about commodities? Do you like to eat? And, of course, the answer is yes. <laughs> it's like, well, what do you think you're eating? You're eating commodities. That, that is so true. So that's the way that goes. All right, uh, Yelena, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, well, they can reach us at the World Trade Center Miami at 305-871-7910 or on our website at www.americas, with an S, foodandbeverage.com. Okay, Americas, uh, say that again for the website because people like to do that www.americasfoodandbeverage.com That's the way to go. And we're going to get you back. We'll get you some updates, and we're going to get you in the uh, studio with Charlotte. And we want to talk about uh, all the things that are happening in, uh, at that same time in Miami, produced by the World Trade Center Miami. That's right. Eleanor, thank you so much for being on the show. We look forward to hearing more about it. Thank you so much for the opportunity. You bet. Say hello to Charlotte. Take care. I will. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right. When we come back, we're going to uh, chat a little bit with uh, Peter McLaughlin all the way from Colorado. Peter will be talking about his new book, Brain Styles, which uh, he's writing right now. And we're going to talk about some of his other books and the corporations and the things that he does that's so exciting to motivate you, make you excited. We'll be right back on 880 The Biz. This is Rich Rothman on The Rich Rothman Show. The Port of Miami is the second largest economic engine in our community, providing an annual economic base of over $16 billion and over 100,000 jobs. These are high-paying in-demand jobs, very much coveted by other cities and ports throughout the Americas. We're fortunate to have this business, and of that $16 billion, international trade and cargo at the port accounts for over $13 billion per year, a significant fact, as well as a significant economic impact for all of us, the Port of Miami, working to enhance and contribute to the economic success of our country, further reinforcing Miami and South Florida as the gateway to the Americas. A new terminal that is larger than some mid-sized U.S. airport. The new Miami International Airport. A new 350-space ground-level short-term parking lot. The new Miami International Airport. The only U.S. airport with sleep pods. The new Miami International Airport. The international gateway to the Americas with more flights to South America than all U.S. airports combined. 
the new Miami International Airport. And coming soon, 61 new retail and food shops to add to your airport savoir-faire. Come experience the new Miami International Airport and watch us move towards the future. The new Miami International Airport. You know where I'm spending my next romantic evening out with my wife? At Biltmore Carl Gables Miami, a golf and spa resort. Maybe we'll start the evening with a five-star dinner at the newly opened Fontana Ristorante, enjoying their authentic Italian cuisine prepared by renowned chef Gaetano Accione. Or perhaps we'll dine at the acclaimed Palm d'Or restaurant. Zagat called Palm d'Or one of the best restaurants in the country. South Florida's best restaurants are at the Biltmore Carl Gables Miami. On Thursday after dinner, we could really enjoy Biltmore Unplugged. Live jazz music poolside at the Cascade Bar and Grill. Fine food and live jazz is awaiting your next romantic evening at Biltmore Carl Gables Miami, a golf and spa resort. Visit www.biltmorehotel.com for more information or call them at 1-800-747-1926 for reservations. The perfect night out is at Biltmore Carl Gables Miami, a golf and spa resort. Do you own a business outsourcing your accounting? Then call the accounting and tax experts at TNJ Tax Service. For over 30 years, TNJ Tax Service has been preparing taxes for South Florida companies and individuals. As enrolled agents with the Internal Revenue Service, the pros at TNJ Tax Service can represent you or your company professionally to the IRS. Have challenges with your company's bookkeeping? Then call TNJ Tax Services. QuickBooks certified. TNJ Tax Services can provide training on QuickBooks for any small business. If you need monthly or quarterly bookkeeping services to handle all of your payroll and business needs, then you need to call TNJ and J Tax Service, located at Taft and Flamingo in the Pillbox Plaza. Call 954-432-1700. 954-432-1700. TNJ Tax Services. No one covers local, national, and world news like Rich Robin. And no one covers local, national, and world shipping like DHL. DHL. Customer service is back in shipping. From Atlantic Radio Network. This is the Rich Rothman Show. The Rich Rothman Show. Dot com. What are we listening to? Elvis. That wasn't one of his hits, was it? Um, It's from the Elvis Movies Collection. Oh, that's why. Did you ever watch his movies? All the time. Oh, my God. They were just... Sounds like a Sunday You know what? The guy could have been a great... He could have been a really good actor. He tried. There was one black and white cowboy that he did. That's from Easy Come, Easy Go. Yeah, that was one of my... I guess I missed that one. Hmm. Welcome back to the Rich Rothman Show. We were talking about Elvis trivia. We'll be hosting the Elvis Weekend coming up this next uh, Tuesday through next Thursday, uh, the Elvis Week. Anyway, welcome back to the Rich Rothman Show on 880 The Biz. The number is 866-954-4276, 866-954-4276. And uh, in just a few minutes, we're going to have uh, Peter McLaughlin. I think he's calling in around 540. He's on the phone now? He's raring to go. Oh, my God, I didn't know that. Well, that's You're terrific. Right. Peter, are you there? I am here. Welcome. Well, how, my God, he snuck up on me. I can't believe that. My God. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Peter McLaughlin. Peter. Peter is a really well-known guy, rated uh, one of the top business speakers in the nation by uh, the Journal of Business Strategy. Uh, he's, and he's author of two books and soon to be three, uh, all well-known best-selling books. Mentally Tough, The Principles of Winning at Sports. Applied to Winning in Business and Catch Fire, a seven-step program to ignite energy, diffuse stress. Well, we could use that. And Power uh, Start Your uh, your Career, Power Boost Your Career, which I think right now everybody could use. Peter, welcome to the show. Good to have you here. 
Oh, it's great to be here. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing good. Let me ask you a question. Given the economy and given how many people have been laid off and given the fact that corporations that remain exactly the way they are are doomed to fail anyway, you know, you've got to constantly stay ahead of that curve. Uh, you must be a busy guy. Uh, you know, it's funny that it, I should be much busier than I am, but the problem is that, uh, you know, people, they, they're caught. I don't know if you ever read a book called South India, or called uh, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Oh, sure. That's, that's a long and, time ago. Uh, yeah, there's a parable in there from Robert Persig, and it's uh, about the South Indian monkey trap. And uh, uh, monkeys love rice, so they hollow out coconuts, put the rice in the coconut. The monkey sticks his hand in the coconut, grabs the rice, but once he grabs the rice, his hand is too big to pull out of the coconut. And so he's he's stuck. He's there sitting, looking at the natives as they walk casually across the clearing, pick him up and throw him into the gunny sack because he can't ask himself the question, would I rather have freedom without rice or rice without freedom? I think that's where American business is. It's stuck in the monkey trap. And what happens is everyone says, okay, let's slow down. Let's not get any training. Let's not spend any money on advertising. Let's just wait and see. Let's just uh, put it off till next quarter. Well, you know, I think yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I'm just saying, we're in the monkey trap. Well, you know, and, and that I've been in business for about 30 years, and I had seven different magazines. So when you just said this thing about advertising and marketing, what do people do when the markets take a hit? And I've seen it through, you know, recessions uh, in the 80s. In the set, well, I started in the business in '76, '77, so we didn't have a very strong economy then, anyway. Um, but you know, people would say, "Well, you know, the economy is so bad. We are, we're going to pull back." And what do they do? They they let salespeople go, all yeah. right? Then they don't advertise, and they, well, we can't advertise because you know there's nobody out there. We can't advertise, and so they don't advertise. They don't have salespeople, and then their sales go down. And they say, see, I told you. Every, every, yeah, exactly. Our sales went on. Thank God we didn't advertise because there's no sales, and I'm glad we don't have a lot of people working there anymore. I love those empty cubicles because we don't need them anymore. There are no sales. And it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. And the, and the thing that I've always seen, Peter, and, and I always give this example being in Miami, and I know, I know our good friend Peter Miller knows this one really well because I know he likes stone crabs, but probably one of the most well, probably one of the oldest, most successful restaurants that everybody knows. You can go to Japan, say Miami, people know Joe Stone Crab. It's just very, very well known. Not cheap, great, wonderful, it's something unusual, it's iconic. Joe Stone Crabs probably doesn't need to advertise, and you'll still have a lot of people come to the restaurant because it's usually packed. You, you really can't get in in season, and that's the only time you ever have it. But Joe's advertises everywhere. And why do they do that? because they want to make sure they don't have their finger in that coconut, and they want to make sure they always have a two- to three-hour wait in season. My point. Yeah. You know? Exactly. That's, that's precisely it. Right. And so, I, go ahead. It's like uh, businessmen gather in furtive little groups and talk about, I think we should all pull back, and they all pull back, and no one's saying, wait a minute, how do we differentiate ourselves? This, to me, is the best time for growth. Um, and it's, it takes a, uh, a little more creative brain and uh, uh, the ability to jump in and take a risk. And I think we, uh, as Ken Robinson on your show pointed out some time ago, that, you know, we're risk adverse. We don't teach creativity. We don't know how to think differently. So we're stuck. Well, yeah, because people, you know, they're, they're the, the deer that you see in upstate New York 
I guess you have it in Colorado, too. When you're coming around a curve at night, your lights are on, the deer's in the middle, and the deer just goes... <laughs> they don't do anything. They stand there, they look at you, and they go, oh, my God, what am I supposed to do? I don't think I'm going to do anything about it. They don't know what to do. Yeah. That's precisely it. So, but let's, yeah. let's go back to, uh, you know, what, what people should do. And, and it's interesting about Ken. Ken is terrific. He was on the show a few weeks ago. And you're right. We are not training. We don't get people involved in creativity. And I think one of the things you talk about, you know, I think it's very, very exciting, is that you say, you know, build optimism, ignite energy, get creative, get creative, communicate the whole brain, take action. Well, someone's got to have initiative to do that. Exactly. I, there's a... Uh, I've coined this term, the director of mirth, and I've built it after the Shakespeare, Shakespeare's fool. And the fool is the only one in the kingdom that's allowed to make fun of the king. And he does it so that he can help the king see different sides of the story. And, and, uh, one day the king's standing, uh, and he takes, he tells too many jokes about the king's family. So the king says, kill him. The nobility comes in, they're gonna carry him out. And one of the guys stands up and says, king, this fool has been so great for you for 40 years, you just can't kill him. And the king says, look it, I'm a divine right king. Uh, the guy went too far. I said he's going to die, so I can't go back on my word. But I will allow him to choose the way he wants to die. And so the, the fool bows slightly and says, sire, if it's all the same to you, I should like to die of old age. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's a good one. That was a fair answer, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it is. And the, the thing about the fool... That we laugh at grievances, as Mark Twain pointed out, but we laugh because their grievances at us. We, we're always saying, why didn't I come up with that? Why can't I think that bass on my feet? And the idea is, of course, that's the full job description. And so he practices all the time, like practicing your nine iron until you get good at it. We don't practice any creativity. So all of a sudden, the boss comes in and says, you know, get creative. Nobody knows how to do it. We don't have, you know, all we have is left brain, CEO, CFO, CIO, we have no director of mirth. And the director of mirth is a person that helps people of all brain style <clears throat> uh, get creative. I mean, you can be very practical and be creative. You can be very analytical and be creative. And so that's the whole idea is to, is to stop and say, maybe this is a good time for us to say, you know, let's come up with some new answers like Cirque du Soleil did. Uh, you know, with the blue ocean strategy and create a circus that's not a circus. You know, it's that kind of thinking that we have to come up with at these times. Well, and, and, and that's very American. I mean, I have to say that because one of the things that America has always been great at is creativity, coming up with. One of the things we excelled at was technology. And, and we accelerated dramatically over the last 100, 120 years from what was to what is right now. And I think it's even more accelerating or more accelerative right now than it was even, you know, 20 years ago because of the digital age, and we can do things that much more rapidly. But it would seem that uh, if we are going to move forward and, and correct whatever needs to be corrected, and, my, and there's a, a litany of things that we need to correct, anywhere from, you know, health care to, you know, breathing clean air to creating energy to, you know, finding jobs for people to learning how to make cars that sell better and can be competitive to, I mean, it goes on and on and on. I mean, I look at, you know, watch any news station right now. I don't care whether it's fair and balanced or it's CNN. They can basically right. somehow cover the same thing with different colors on it. That's all. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's the creativity. It's the, it's the challenge to meet the, uh, uh, the, the rigors of what you need to do to make things succeed. 
where do we reach into that? Now, you get out and you speak in front of many corporations. I mean, you know, Peter, uh, you work with, you know, my son happens to work with Apple, AT&T, IBM, CNN, Siemens, MetLife, love those chief people, Intel, you know, American Express, don't leave home without them, and for Peter, for that matter, PepsiCo, Bally, oh, work out, uh, Merrill Lynch, Scripps Health, they're in Florida now. You know, it just, I mean, you've got some great Fortune 500, in some cases, Fortune 100 companies. Um, what do you say you know to these people? I, well, you know what I found is we tend to put our creativity toward products and technologies, but we don't put our creativity toward how do we help people think differently, sell differently, um, you know, come up with new ideas on the human dimension of the business equation. So we'll spend a lot of money getting a think tank set up or a creativity uh, uh, think set up, but only for the uh, mechanical, the computer, the product side of the aisle. But we don't have much uh, much going in terms of how do we treat people differently. That's why it's always new new guys like Google who have offices with environments. Their new, they're new place in, uh, in Switzerland, you, you, to get from the second to the first floor, you have to slide down a fire pole. <laughs> I kind of like that. Yeah. That and, would be and fun. They float to relax tanks. They have... People take breaks, uh, and we know from the research on the way humans work and, and perform at their best, specifically out of sports science, that breaks are really imperative for you to be ongoingly productive. And so, you know, it's, it's so, it seems to me when I go in, that's precisely the problem. I went to a, a big insurance, the biggest insurance company, as a matter of fact, it's the second largest in the world. They own, uh, uh, a, a, a big company in in uh, New York and Pennsylvania, but they're out of Canada, and so they said we need something creative. But we demand that our people wear coats and ties if they're addressing anyone, and you know, we don't want you to use any four-letter words. Not that I was going to, but they had a list of very left-brain rules. <laughs> you know, so they, they they formed a box around. Uh, what I could do and then said now go get them creative and that's our thinking when it comes to the human dimension that make sense to you oh yeah well I, I understand that because I've given lots of speeches too and and, and like, you're right they'll say alright listen you can, you can talk about anything you want as long as it stays in the subject you can and I want you I want you to feel free I want you to wear unconstructed clothing I want you to feel very comfortable uh, don't wear light clothing and we want you to you know don't be too severe please wear dark and, and you know what I mean and so, but we want you to really connect with our people. Don't get too close, because uh, you come from where they have swine flu. So now, having said all of that, we want you to have a good time. You only have 17 minutes, and you know what I'm talking about. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so you you set up all these requisites that you th these hurdles to to the challenge. I know when I taught technical writing years ago in college, which I just one of the most awful courses I ever had to teach back in the 70s. It was horrible. I used to walk in, just walk into the wall real quick, take my hit, and then I'd be able to teach the class. Right. I, I hated the book and I hated the course so much. But any obstacle to delivering that message, you lose the person. So where do we streamline? and get people into the system. I mean, what you want to do is get somebody to free fall into the system and feel good about it, I think. Yeah, I, no, I absolutely agree. And I think a, a lot of it starts with management where, we, you know, we, uh, as people go up the ladder, they begin to lose, just like we do as kids, we begin to lose creativity as, as we grow older because there's 
so many rules. It's the same thing with management. That's why I find that most of the companies that uh, I believe have the kind of corporate culture, you know, of environments that invite creativity and different kind of thinking where you check your presuppositions and, and you look to see if you're in a monkey trap or not, um, those, those tend to be newer companies and they don't have the baggage. Even I, I went to Wharton uh, School, MBA school, to, to show them, they, I was invited to show them two or three new courses. And the woman said, oh, they'll love them, they'll talk about them, and then they won't do any of them because they've got too much baggage. Well, when you, when you talk about healthcare, uh, we're in the monkey trap on healthcare because we have so much baggage of people that are dependent on these absurd prices and markups that, and the way we do healthcare that they can't pull their hand out of that trap. See, I've always so. felt that one of the reasons healthcare is so expensive, or, or better yet, one of the areas that it is so expensive is really good for the economy because if we actually cure, I mean, this is going to sound awful, and I had cancer years ago. I had prostate cancer, got rid of it. If you cure cancer, a lot of people are out of work. Yeah. I mean, really, I mean, the, uh, that's the oxymoronic whole thing of the whole thing. Yeah. That, all right, we got the cure. In this vial, I have the answer. This is uh, Sean Connery, and he's in the, in the, in the middle of the, uh, the rainforest. I have the answer. I found the mold. We're going to cure it, and we're going to end a, a, you know, a $50 billion industry. Okay, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. That, that's a lot of baggage, Peter. Yeah, it's the same way with people getting older and uh, living longer, and you come up for cures to keep them from dying, and, you know, that in, in itself hurts the, hurts the economy. So somehow we got to... We got to, you know, get. They even came up with a, a really great new term called compressed morbidity, which means uh, it's a great term. It's a terrible marketing word, and it literally means you compress all your dying into the last couple of weeks, so that instead of dying a little bit each day from age 53 to 95, you you live, a, you know, a little bit better diet. You you exercise a little bit more. You have more fun. You see more friends. And you die at age 95 in the arms of your lover, you know, <clears throat> very quickly, which is the way I'd like to go. Well, hopefully your lover dies after you because they would right. the arms you left. <laughs> Listen, I want to segue to something because some people do okay and some people just soar in life. And they just seem to have this innate natural ability, pardon the redundancy there, to make the correct decisions to go down the right road, hire the right people, to see products that other people can see or services. You know, you know, I'm leading to your new book that you're working on and researching right now, Brain Styles. Right. Why is it that certain people can do that and others can't? And I guess that's that's the purpose of the next book. Yeah, and when you look at people like a Richard Branson, who who is who you're just really describing. Here's a guy that uh, started Virgin Records. And, and, and was a great starter, but didn't know how to follow through. And he, he was always, uh, he was always derailing against himself because, you know, I can't stay with it. I'm not, I don't persevere enough, et cetera. And then all of a sudden one day he wakes up and says, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't have to. I am the best starter of companies in the world. And that's what I'm going to stick doing. And I'm going to hire other people who are the greatest finishers in the world. And together we'll make a whole brain team. And, um, you know, when you look at some of these guys, there's a John Malone who owns Liberty Global. He's, you know, one of the billionaires, and I have done quite a bit of work for Liberty Global. This is a guy that's totally analytical, and it takes him a little time to think things through, 
that his greatness comes from asking the right questions. Whereas Richard Branson's totally opposite in his brain, and his comes from being really great at hunches. And so he just somehow feels that, and part of your, part of your brain is literally physically in your gut, and it, it and, and so he is somehow trained his gut by nature and nurture, by genetics, and by how he grew up. And his parents uh, were fairly freeform and let him do a lot of things. So he really got very good at hunches and seeing things where things weren't before. And so both both a left-brain guy like John Malone and a right-brain guy like Richard Branson become very, very successful. And so this book is going to show brain styles of the rich and famous, people that became very successful by consciously or unconsciously following the preferences of their brain and and some of their behaviors like some people are much more expressive and some people are more shy and both of them are good but uh, how do they work in with the paths you choose and can you in fact predict uh, you know which path you should choose for you to perform at your best and so that's really what what the whole thing's about and so what we do is people take the 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 profile from Emergenetics that you took yourself, and uh, and then we do an interview, you know, based on their brain styles and and their big breakthroughs, and help them understand more about how it was that they did these things, they accomplished these things. So when people recognize, I mean, can people be trained by studying brain styles? I mean, I don't want to kill your book, but can people? Because I don't want to give it away. You want people to read this? Can people study this? And can they find their inner self? Yeah, and look, here's a good example, and the example is me. I am a very right-brain guy. That is, I'm big picture. Uh, uh, I see things coming down the road. I, I you know, I jump to uh, pretty interesting conclusions. Um, I, and I also love people. So th that's my side. I'm not very good at logic and, and at analyzing, nor am I very good at total total detail and follow through. So when I first uh, began to think about this and took the emergenetics and, and saw where I was, it answered to me in a second why I had never made a sale to Microsoft or Merrill Lynch up to that point. Because I would go in selling from the side of the brain I grew up with and that, that was part of my genetics. And they listened from their side of the brain, which is more analytical, and they somehow we couldn't uh, what I was selling they they didn't want to buy now I took the same stuff and recouched it into much more left brain language that is always give a, a source when you say something you know as as Jack Welch said in his book uh, winning uh, that you always give a source they love that they love it if, if they know where you came from and why you deserve to be in front of them so I totally changed the way I approached people because I knew I had to sell to the whole brain, not just to my right brain friends like Apple Computer was my biggest client. Why? They think the way I think. IBM's well, a left brain company. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no. Actually, it, when, when you mention Apple, the, 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 it seems like the intellect of that company is so 21st century. I mean, their, their products are so ahead of the curve. It is In fact, they are the curve. I mean, when they come out yeah. with a product and everybody else curves to it, mm -hmm. that's pretty yeah. cool. I think yeah. Steve Jobs is just 
I mean, I would love to just get into his brain and understand what does he dream about at night when he goes to sleep. I mean, it just yeah, I, amazing. I think his brain is a lot like yours. He's uh, uh, he's got he can come up with great new ideas, and yet he's got enough uh, analytical skills so that he can say, "Ah, oh, that's a great idea," but I can see that it won't make any money, or I can see that I can't get enough other groups to go along with it. So let's back out of that one and let's start down another road. <clears throat> And Apple never gets, well, under John Scully, uh, they got caught in a monkey trap. But since that point, they've been, you know, extremely good at coming up with stuff you, you just don't imagine until till it's out there. They sell you stuff you didn't know you needed until they came up with it. Not only did you know you needed it, you didn't know it existed. And then when it existed, it became part of your life, and now you can't live without it. Now exactly. that is cool. <laughs> that is cool. Peter, I'm out of time. i got to go. Okay. Right, listen, we're going to get you back on the show. Where can they find you, Peter? Um, you can find me in Denver, Colorado. You mean my number? Well, that would help. They're not going to just get off at you know, Denver Stapleton and go, anyone see Peter? If they want to learn about you and get you to uh, you know, come to their corporations, how do they do that? Yeah, Peter at PeterMcLaughlin.com. Uh, That's a good one. That's easy. Yeah, yeah, it's easy to do. And... Um, I have a book called Catch Fire, and so that you can go to Catch Fire Cafe or PeterMcLaughlin.com, and you can find me, uh, 303-321-5008 is my secret number, and, uh, and so that's how you get there. That's how you get there. All right, got to go, Peter. I'll get back with you. We're going to get you back on the show in the next few weeks. Great. We'll be talking soon. Stay well, my friend. Thanks a million, Rich. You bet, Peter. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, you know, we'll be back for more of the good, game over, man. the bad, game over. <laughs> the business. That's it, man. This is the Rich Rothman Show. I'm sure I'll never leave, and if I do, I know the way there.